0: You are listening to Secrets to Scale. I'm your host, Tanner Scott, CEO of Ranks to Digital Marketing, and this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week, I have Chris Federer on the show. Chris is a consultant that helps businesses innovate through facilitation workshops One of the ways that he helps businesses is through a methodology called design thinking. Chris and I talk all about design thinking, what it is, how it works, and how businesses can benefit from it. Welcome to the show, Chris. I'm super excited to have you. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tanner. It's going to be fun. Uh, Chris Federer. I have been in Salt Lake City, Utah for um, four years now. And uh, I run a design thinking community and then offer facilitation services.
0: Awesome, man. So what's your story? How did you get started in design thinking?
1: Yeah. So, you know, at this point I've spent most of my career in learning programs. Um, but it was always kind of, I want to say it was informal, but like, it wasn't, I wasn't like diving into them on like an academic level, um, that you might receive in like a master's degree or a PhD in like learning, learning science or, or design. And, um, In 2015, 2016, I was finishing up a career um, in like international running, managing international programs. Um, And I had exposure to some friends or some colleagues really that had gone on to do these like work at these awesome design studios uh, and doing these things called like design thinking, like working on these really, awesome projects and programs, um, and products. And I was like, dude, that is awesome. And I was like, I, I, I want to do that. And, um, I think I can, I think I have the capacity. I don't know exactly where I fit in, but I think I have the capacity to like work at some of these studios. Um, and so I got to Utah 2016 and with like kind of that in the forefront was kind of starting over my career and but I had that like vision like what I wanted to do and um, I was looking around and there weren't really like design thinking programs that could like take me to that place I wanted to get to or like design, even like the type of design I was kind of interested in, more of like the social enterprise and business design and um, like kickstarting initiatives and culture initiatives. Couldn't really find it in Utah. Um, So the options were like, I don't know, get like find a master's degree out of state um, or because I wasn't really, I wasn't, um, I wasn't going to get hired. I didn't have the skill set to get hired yet. So I was like, get a master's degree, or you know, just take the initiative and start building this learning community. And you know, it's self-serving because at the same time I'm meeting everyone and testing and learning about the the different processes that are under the umbrella of design thinking and and uh, innovation and facilitation and all these all these things. So I've been doing that since 2016, and it turned into. Ultimately, you know what I want to do, which was uh, facilitating learning and innovation at in corporations
0: so really like you taught yourself everything you know about design thinking and you kind of um, just did it all on your own is that right
1: i yeah, I mean I'd say if someone asked I'm like self taught in design and a lot of these innovation methods, but obviously I've had a million mentors and taken like online courses and Like, I'll read a blog post that I find interesting and then organize, you know, a gathering around it.
0: Well, uh, that's awesome. And I think that more people should do that, right? I think you learn a lot more in, you know, just exploring things on your own, just trial and error until something sticks, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that could be a huge conversation in itself. Um, It's been really fulfilling and, like, it's a very organic way to learn and kind of discover like, like work that really feeds your soul, but it can take a lot more time and to live a much lower quality of life. And probably if I would have just, um, you know, whether I look for former programs or take a more traditional approach, but you know, then you, there's debt and there's other issues. So, um, you kind of you have to take those things into account
0: so we we're talking about design thinking and i'm sure most people listening are probably wondering what the hell is design thinking can you give us like a rough overview of what it is
1: yeah by the way did you look it up and yeah. find it, uh,
0: yeah i did i watched a youtube video
1: <laughs> yeah um so totally loaded question and i'm always at like the peril of getting lambasted by the community because it's there is no one singular definition. A year or two ago, a design thinking group on um, on LinkedIn uh, like polled the community to like try to identify a definition. And if I remember correctly, and I don't know if I remember exactly, but like their definition, the top voted or like the most scrutinized, peer reviewed, a human centered approach to innovation that takes into account business, technological and client needs
0: and motivations. And in a nutshell, it's basically like, um, you know, building a product that's based on testing and feedback from the actual end user, right?
1: Yeah, the way I think about it, like there's definitely like, if people ask me to compare it to lean, I'm like, well, design thinking generally starts off with a lot more research and empathy for the user and really trying to understand their needs motivations and crafting products that like really are delightful for or like meet those needs and motivations so it really starts with a lot like it generally starts in my opinion with much better questions if you compare it to lean and just like straight experimentation so like i put i put design thinking as like um I mean, ultimately it's, it's a design thing and should be called design doing because it really is like, it's about making and, and like sharing. Um, so it really is like about doing and then getting in front of your customers um, for feedback to like almost like co-create whatever product and service with them. So you're almost like including your user or customer in the process of development Um, But at the same time, you're really trying to step inside their shoes and understand them. So you're making something that really resonates with them. Whether it's just like the messaging (laughs) or just like, um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, um, or just something that, you know, kind of resonates a little bit more with them.
0: Yeah, sorry. Which, I mean, seems like a no-brainer, right? Creating a product around your user, like. It seems like something everyone should be doing right
1: yeah, I mean, you'd think, but at the same time i've lost a, an embarrassing amount of time and money just making assumptions and building something and uh, thinking that people are just going to buy it, because it's i mean it's they are awesome ideas, but doesn't mean that they're so awesome or like you're connected or like, you know, the channel to like reach your customers at, or you know how to do the the messaging to reach those um, customers. So, I mean, it is kind of common sense design thinking, but I mean, we see it, especially here in Utah all the time. That's very sales dominant culture assumptions and go. Um, uh, Which I think we can, I just think, which isn't necessarily bad, it's just, I I think there's room for striking a little better balance with, you know, should we build this thing? And you do that with design thinking with like smaller incremental.
0: um, So so I think, what's your take on Quibi? Um, Do you think that, I mean, obviously they fell flat on their faces, but do you think that, they used design thinking or do you think that using design thinking would have helped them succeed?
1: That's such a good question. Um, I wish I knew their launch I mean, I know that, you know, they did that. How much did they raise?
0: Man, it was like a a couple billions. It was billions. I mean,
1: either way, I mean, I don't know enough about like how like where their bets, like what made them so confident. Um, I would argue. My guess is that they probably had some data that they thought was good data, um, but it was. It probably had nothing to like. It was probably secondary data that they. That some guy was able to to kind of massage into a message that fit his assumptions, but like ultimately, only the only way to like mitigate mitigate the risk of like a new initiative or business or product is like really <laughs> like um, coming up with is by talking directly, like getting your own data by talking to customers. Everything else like is a little tainted that secondary data, whether it's you're getting it from another research report or something like, or like, you know, maybe they tried something in the past or like some data that um, was from like another time. Like the only thing that matters is right now. Uh, Because, I mean, there's like, I mean, there were two or three YouTubes before YouTube hit. So, like, really, like, people need to remember those things when they're doing their research. Ultimately, it's like, what data have I, like, the best data is, like, the data that I have gotten myself by talking and, like, watching users and and customers or my target
0: so, so how do you usually go about that? Is it kind of like a focus group type of thing or do you um, – is it more involved in that?
1: No, I mean, direct observation I think is the best. Well, no, I mean, there's, there's different – that's a terrible answer. Um, there's no best. Um, there's best practices and the more you practice, the more uh, you – you can I, you get better at identifying what tool to use when. And, you know, there's lots of times like it depends on client's budget. um, You know, what they're, what you can get them to agree to.
0: Yeah. Um, And I mean, every business is different too. So I'm sure different strategies are probably better for different businesses, of course. And at the same time,
1: I wouldn't, I would not, I would never tell anyone um, a professional researcher. Um, so I'm not the best source for, for that question. But everything I do do, I try to put, you know, um, I try to identify the needs and motivations of whoever I'm either helping make something or for myself.
0: So what are the different phases or steps of design thinking like how does it all work how does it all come together i know that the phases or steps themselves are way deeper than the surface level but um i think it would probably help the audience to know like what direction these companies are going in when they're using design thinking
1: yeah so um design thinking was really popularized. When, when was it? Um, well, I think it's. I think it was first like branded, maybe the 60s or 70s. But then it was popularized popularized by a an organization, a design studio called IDO in the 90s, and uh, they with this thing human centered design. And for one reason or another, that kind of took off and became very famous for it. It's like Stanford area. Um, And their process, they've got it very simple and clear. It's think, feel, do. So at each step, your your, um, feeling would be like the empathy part of trying to understand your customer. Um, Thinking is like the actual um, like ideation and then doing is the prototyping and sharing. So it's very simple. Um, And it works. It's an easy way to like generally get people an understanding of what their process looks like. But I think Stanford's, that, that was IDEO. So like Stanford's is empathize, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, uh, research, or share type of thing. Um, what is it? Share? I don't know. Uh, there's so many. IBM has one, MIT has one. Um, I've got friends that have come up with stuff. Um, but that's the most popular, the most famous, I believe, is empathize, define, prototype or ID8 prototype share or researcher.
0: So, so the one, the research that I did, um, I, I, don't think you've mentioned it yet, but, um, testing was a big part of it. And after testing, you'd go back to the other phases and kind of revisit everything. It was kind of like a little, it's like a cycle. It's going back and forth through all these different phases based on testing with real users. Right.
1: Right. So post prototype testing. So another like the simplest way to explain. I mean, one mentor explained design thinking to me is it's just learning, and it's but like it's very making and sharing to get that feedback. Make share make share. Right to better understand like and it's just like this continuous cycle. It's essentially learning, but it's a continuous cycle of like making and getting feedback from
0: your so so it sounds like it's pretty similar to like the MVP model right Min- minimum viable product where you know you create like the bare minimum and you just keep testing it with your market and you make improvements along the way type of thing
1: yes I mean there's a lot there's in the innovation space there's overlap across all these different ideas whether it's agile or or um, like how does Agile and design thinking and, and there's like prototyping or, or uh, how do these all overlap and fit together um, and you just mentioned what, what was it again? M- oh, MVP. MVP. Yeah that's a tool used within design thinking Okay. I've seen it used in like design thinking uh, whatever catalogs or like Cool kids.
0: So Chris, you call yourself a farmer of collaboration. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of a, a weird story behind it, but I, I think I think what I, when I I came up with it, it was just like a statement that like I'm here and I'm trying to surround myself with people that are not necessarily trying to give solutions, but it's more like identify needs and then fulfill those needs with others. If that makes sense. Like one analogy a friend uses is like on a farm, you don't really have like a title. You like identify what needs to get done and you get it done. Right. Okay, okay, I like that. And so like, I try to do the same thing where it's like, um, I love facilitating uh, workshops at companies, right? But sometimes I'm not the best fit or sometimes it doesn't like, there's not like the perfect overlap. So if I don't get hired, like I don't try to get sad about it. Like, what oh, are other ways I can help them and, 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 and um,
0: maybe provide value? Maybe it's finding the right facilitator for them. Awesome, man. So you mentioned Design Sprint. What's the difference between Design Sprint and Design Thinking?
1: Yeah, so a Design Sprint generally falls under the umbrella of Design Thinking. Wait, did I say that correctly? Design design Sprint falls under Design And um, so you know how we identified earlier that Design Thinking can be very nebulous process you almost have to be a chef to be a good design thinking practitioner and like understand a lot of this like like the different tools and uh, available and like different recipes so then you can like just go in and create Where design think or where a design sprint is more like This a recipe that anyone can, can kind of read and do. Um, very, it's like, here's the, yeah, you do this, 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 and you're going to get, you know, certain xy. Obviously, you can do it better, and, like, you can still make mistakes, but there's no, it's a, a pre, like, prescribed recipe for a team to go through. But there's a lot of, like, the general principles of it are really... I've started taking the the main principles from, like, the classic design sprint and started using them in a lot of different types of workshops.
0: So, so really, there's, like, no uniformity between anything in design thinking. Everyone kind of just has their own opinions, their own ways to go about it. And, you, you know, you as a practitioner, you're probably... Very different from anyone else. Is that a safe assumption?
1: Yeah, they're all based on the same principles of understanding, like of like starting with empathy, doing, and like sharing with your like. But like, there it's explained a million different ways.
0: So, so one question I have is, you know, is this only for like high tech companies, or and like user experience, or can it really be applied to any type of business?
1: Yeah, it can be applied to any type of business that's creating a. Now, the favorite way to my favorite way to teach design thinking is this workshop that Stanford came up with called the redesign the gift giving experience, and we go through the dot man. And we go through the design thinking principle to help. We help people, we help partners get together and they help each other design the gift giving experience for their other partner. So, but it starts with like asking them tons of questions about their, you know, their daily life and their partner and all these, you know, their, their, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend or friend that they're going to be gifting something to and then going through the using design thinking process to come up with a new way for them to give that gift.
0: So what would you attribute your success to over the years, Chris?
1: Well, honestly, I don't feel very successful.
0: And success is a relative term, right? Almost anyone I ask that question to, like, well, I'm not successful, but
1: i mean i think i've grown and like i think there's room to grow let's put it that way there's room to grow financially there's room like there's tons of things
0: right and you know and you i think that's important too like right? your eyes on the prize you want to improve more but like what would you attribute success to thus far
1: well you know i think I think I got lucky earlier on in my career, or just being at the right place at the right time, but like also having just like the skill set that they just have to be looking for. Um, so I got to do some really awesome things. It wasn't necessarily the best pay, but I got to really do some interesting things in you know, different countries and doing like work that I was really interested in. Um then recently I w- like here in Utah that since 2016, I wouldn't really this is definitely not like financial or like business advice. But like I've I've really been like pursuing work that I think I used it earlier, but that like really feeds my soul and that like that I really like am passionate about. But that's not necessarily the best plan for making money. So it's like I could have done a million other things that would have been, uh, you know, better financially over the last four years.
0: So, Chris, what's a great way to listen for everyone listening to get in touch with you? Just LinkedIn. We can also link up your website.
1: Yeah. So I prefer LinkedIn, um, just because I feel like I've I need to. I'm working on my website. Well, the website's always a work in progress. I'd prefer LinkedIn, but obviously you can reach me at christopherfetter.com also if needed. Otherwise my LinkedIn handle is
0: Christopher Fetter. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I really enjoyed learning about something new in design thinking.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the awesome conversation, Tanner. It was good.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Secrets of Scale. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more episodes like it, go ahead and click on that subscribe button. Music for this podcast was written and produced by Trace and Clossy.